You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. Once again, I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited to speak with Leslie Canning about eating the sales enablement cookie one bite at a time. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Superb. Leslie, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are today. Well, I got here from doing a lot of different roles in sales and have naturally gravitated to a variety of sales enablement type roles in my career. Some have been designated as sales enablement and some of them have been um, special projects or chief of staff or just you know, interwoven um, in the sales leadership roles that I've had as well, I've had to run specific enablement projects for teams that I've been uh, leading as well. So it just had a whole career with sales enablement dotted through um, at various times. One of the things that I loved about the pre-interview that we did is you've supported different sales leaders, you know, and we'll get to, get to that a little bit in the show. But let's dive in. When it comes to sales enablement, what is the outcome we're looking for and what does good look like? So that depends, I, I find, in the, the sales leadership that you're supporting. Because every role that I've had, a sales leader is trying to accomplish some sometimes something different. And Every organization sometimes is in a little bit of a different journey, whether they're a very sophisticated sales engine, sales motion, they, or whether it's a newly formed team or it's a reboot, you know, you're, you're kind of solving for something different. And what I like to really hang my hat on is, is really more of the pipe. Can we create pipeline from sales enablement? Because if you look at, you know, close ratios that there's a heavy element of sales leadership needs to be deeply involved with close ratios and driving sales with the sales individual. So I don't try and hang my hat so much on closure rates, but I do try and really see if we can drive towards, you know, impact. Like, are we really making a difference with sales enablement? And that for my, for, for me, I look at how we can create pipeline. You know, are the things that we're doing, whether it's training or new programs or specific help that we're bringing to the field, is it helping them to create pipeline and open up new doors and have new conversations? So, so if we dive in that a little bit, right, most CEOs that I speak with, when they think about sales enablement, they always think about close rates, right? Like they're like, if I have a sales enablement person, that person is enabling my sales teams not to generate pipeline, but to close mm-hmm. it way faster, right? Mm-hmm. Is that like what has your experience been no. in an environment like that now having you know because having been the sales leader you you're, you have to really be in the boat with your individual contributor you know asking and pushing them like where are we at what do we need to get done what else is holding you back and that is instrumental from a sales leadership to be heavily involved there so that's why I don't try and hang my hat on you know closure ratios as much sure you know sales enablement can support it uh, but I don't think that's 
the the element that I think you'd really look to having the pressure point, that's with sales leadership. Sales leadership owns that that end of the funnel. And I know that because I've been there. You know, a sales leader is a salesperson is going to listen to their sales leader more than they're going to listen to a sales enablement leader. So if I'm barking at the individual contributor <laughs> to get something done and close the deal, they're going to be like, why should I listen to you? I don't report to you. You know, I report to my sales manager. So that's kind of, I think, the roles and responsibilities of understanding. And having been a sales leader myself, I'd say that that's, that's totally fair. It's my job as a sales leader to help that individual contributor retire quota fast, get it done, remove roadblocks. What else do they need? What else does the customer need? But it's, you know, I look to, I would look to sales enablement to say, hey, does the, does the sales force have the knowledge to start the conversation with a customer? Do they have the knowledge to help a customer understand new technology, new market dynamic, you know, whatever, you know, getting, getting that education done at the early stages. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely my responsibility. Superb. And so as I think about sales enablement, right, I've seen multiple sales enablement leaders struggle, right? Because they have had sales enablement in an organization defined for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's very, it's very tough. Right. Right. And some of those people have been really good friends of mine. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so if, and I know you come with, come at this from a very different, like exploratory angle, but if I was to, let's say, condense sales enablement into a mental model or a framework, like what are the core pieces of sales enablement that I, even as a sales leader should look, think about? I, the thing that, I mean, I can only really reflect on my, my own experience, but number one, problem solving, uh, you need to be a, a problem solver. And I go into every sales enablement role, looking at what problem I saw, what am I solving for here? And I have things in my background that worked and ha and haven't worked, but then really trying to deep dive with the sales leader, like what, what's the behavior you're, you're not seeing that you want to see? Where, where do you think this is falling down? And then I try and do, you know, a lot of interviews and validate, you know, does, are we seeing that same behavior in the sales force? Like, do the salespeople think that there's a problem? Do they think that, you know, they can't open up new doors or they don't have the right technology? Because there's another critical piece here that you have to think about with sales enablement too, is you have, I, I think about it in a, in a triangle of mindset, skill set, tool set. And I don't know where I get this. I think I stole it from from another friend of mine. But That's really good. That's really good. <laughs> you, you know, the mindset is critical. And sales enablement owns a piece of that because mindset is a lot about confidence of the individual. Do they have confidence to go break down new doors, to sell some new technology, to, you know, think help a customer think about a situation differently? Do they have that mindset? Compensation can weigh heavily here. You know, sales knowledge and confidence in the ability of the company to absolutely to deliver on the promise. You know, that, that mindset is critical. And then the other piece is skill set. You know, do they have the skills to go break down a, a CXO's door? Or do they do they not have the experience? Or do they not want to play in that arena? Or is it a technical sale that they don't feel comfortable? They don't have the skills to do it. And then there's tools as well. You know, I have seen in my career areas where the sales force was held back because the tools that they were being asked to use were difficult, onerous. It was hard to get things done. The salespeople were spending an inordinate amount of time in the tools that needed, you know, drastic modernization. So those three elements of mindset, skill set, tool set, 
they have to work together. And you might think that you're solving for a mindset problem, and actually it's a skill set or it's a tool set. You know, you, you I kind of go into it with that, that lens of looking at like, what am I solving for here? Because, you know, for, I'll give you an example, account planning. Account planning can be the golden or the, the poison chalice of sales enablement. Because it, if the sales leader is wanting to have a whole process around inspection and having fields filled in in Salesforce so they can mine data, well, that looks more like a tool. But if account planning is what the sales leader is trying to accomplish is just that the salespeople do it, that they spend time, they plan. It doesn't matter if it's an Excel or a blank sheet of paper, but it's the process of doing the planning and thinking about how they collaborate with others. That's very different. That's a very different outcome. And that's a very different solution. So you, you really, again, you have to come back to your sales leader and say, like, what does good look like for you? You know, let's put some parameters on a board of things that you want to solve for. And then again, breaking down that cookie one bite at a time. And then again, validating with data because the sales leader may think, oh, I have this problem to solve. And when you do the interviews with the sales force, it's completely different. And I've had that exact experience where a sales leader told me very explicitly, our salespeople don't know how to sell the value. They don't know how to sell the value of this solution. And then when we went back to interview all the salespeople to understand exactly where it was breaking down, what we had was a trust factor. And the salespeople weren't entering the data in Salesforce because they felt it was getting abused in deals that were getting committed by management too quickly. So the salespeople were holding back information. It wasn't about they didn't know how to sell the value. We had some very sophisticated salespeople. They didn't trust the system. So you have to go back to your sales leader and say, you know, I don't really think we're solving for the same things here and be able to have that honest conversation. And you can, if you come back with data, you come back with examples, you, you have a robust process that you follow to show that it's been validated, not just by, you know, a couple of corridor conversations, but you've got a lot of experience and, you know, showing, showing them that it could be solved differently. You know, as you're saying this, I just get the impression that, one, there needs to be philosophical alignment between sales enablement and the sales leader. Totally. Right? Because totally. this is this is so much more than just the, the tools and the processes and the data, et cetera, et cetera. This is almost like trust, right? Because yeah. this person is saying, hey, I'm the sales leader. I'm going to relinquish this part of my role to you so that you can help me make sure that the mindset, skill set, and tool set of these tip of the spear folks is great. Absolutely. Because, you know, all, a sales leader, having been one, you want to know that these initiatives are getting done. You just don't have time to do it. You're busy, you know, solving customer problems with the salespeople and helping them and, you know, having the customer meetings and having the sales meetings. You don't have time to follow up on these initiatives, but yet these initiatives are really important. So it's not like, it, it's not like they don't care about it. They just don't have time to do it. Yeah. So I would say that trust element um, to come back to the, your original point of like, what are your, your, your three or four things? Trust is num is definitely there, but it's, it's also that, that problem solving, like you're going to do that problem solving with the sales leader. And then, you know, you're, you're going to bring credibility when you have data to support your claims. So, you know, I, I, I think, I think through like in my early career would have had the, would I, would I have had the confidence 
Um, probably not. But when you go to your sales leader with data, like we've researched this, we've done these interviews, we've found these key themes. These are the verbatim quotes that we've had. And no, you can't have the names of any of the salespeople that gave us this. But, you know, it's this is where you bring credibility. You bring credibility with data. And then with the data comes and with the credibility, and then comes the trust. So they kind of all feed together. I hear you. It almost sounds like you're part therapist as well. <laughs> sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes with, with salespeople, you know, they just want to vent and you, they can't necessarily vent to their manager. And so they, they can vent to us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, because I'm I'm just thinking, uh, uh, and again, being a sales leader myself, if you have sales managers who are, again, for whatever reason, you know, they're complaining or or which, whichever frame of mind there, there's always some issue always going on, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and then as a sales leader, what you don't say is equally as important as what you do say, right? Mm-hmm. But then, but then, who's my my alliance? Alliance, right? Like, who's my ally, my, my my confidant, right? And uh, I feel like like of the three or four sales enablement leaders that I know really well, uh, one of them definitely excelled at this piece. But but they were in a lot of cases, you know, just hearing the sales leader out and uh, and working through the nitty gritty of the problem with them, which I thought was just extremely remarkable. Mm. Yeah, you you often are listening to the problems. And again, you know, the sales leader may think they have a particular problem in one area, but when you unpick it and you really get to the nut of what is the root cause of the behavior that they're seeing, sometimes it's 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 totally different. And that the other piece I would I would say too to other sales enablement people is you, you're never done. And it this is a hard space to feel like real sense of accomplishment <laughs> because you know you just get to one place and then they they find another problem that you have to go solve so we joke about it in in our world a little bit it's a bit like whack-a-mole you just get to one you know where it's absolutely in the hole and then something else pops up and you have to be good with that you have to get kind of grounded and like hey you know this is this is the way it's going to be um but take pride in knowing that You've done a, a, a solid job of, you know, getting to the root cause of the problem that was, you know, told to you as an organization. Go, go fix this, and you solved it in a certain way. And the other thing you got to get good with is it's it's not always going to work. You're going to have failures on things, and it, to probably what you've heard before, fail fast. Absolutely. If you're getting feedback like, "Hey, this isn't working," or "We we don't like this tool," and acknowledge it, say, "Yeah, it it isn't working. Let's try again." Because that's going to give you credibility too, not to just keep ramming ramming the tool into a salesperson's face or a process, you know, whatever. If it's not working, there's usually a good reason. And that is one of the things I would say about that I do like about sales enablement work is you are being told constantly by the sales force, if you listen, where to make progress. They will tell you. They are a vocal group. And if you ask them, they will tell you where they want your help. They will also guide you in what kind of solutions they want to see. So this isn't a silent group. This isn't a group that you have to pull information out of. They're usually very willing and open if you ask them. And I've found some of the best, the best innovation comes in, you know, parts of the, the world that they're doing for themselves. And it's like, wow, that's a really innovative approach. You know, we could see what you're doing in Denmark and apply it to North America or, you know, Japan and bring it over to France because they're solving it for the same thing. 
So it's, it, it's fun. That's where it's fun, I think, because you're going to see you know, where the innovation is really occurring. And is your role global today? Yes, it is. Okay. Oh, this is super interesting because enabling different cultures, sales teams is a whole different ball game. Yep, it is. Yeah. And then, and then, oh my God. Okay. So this, this gets super interesting. And so, because I've been working on deals that are in APAC and in EMEA and, uh, and, and I've actually interviewed people who are in those regions as sales leaders and it's a world's difference, right? Like what the way we look at enablement in the U.S. and the word the way they look at enablement is very, very different. And you need like different tools, different uh, uh, processes, different lingo. You know, like, like it's it's all very, very different. So I guess how big is your team? Like how do you then manage a global sales enablement initiative? So. Number one, it is different. And the North America market, I include Canada in that, of course, um, is is the anomaly. In the North in North America, we are the anomaly. Rest of world is heavily relationship-based, heavily partner orientation. So there the model is, you know, it's a, a tight collaboration with a partner sales force, with a, you know, a, a hardware vendor like ourselves, or a software too. There, it's much more partner centric. Japan is like on the scale of partner centric to North America being on the polar opposite. It's complete the other way. You know, very very relationship partner centric, and you have to accommodate for that. In HPE, we really pride ourselves based on our, our CEO's uh, mandate is the content has to be for both audiences. We're not creating one set of content for our HP sellers and another set of content for our partner sellers. It's the same audience. And I think if you do it right, you you create for the partner audience because that audience has even less time and bandwidth for absorption than your direct sellers or your you know sellers of, of the organization you're with. So you have less flexibility. Um, you have to be very succinct, very to the point um, with your, your partner sellers. And that, so that's number one is, you know, really design in the minds of, of the partner. Number two, I would say what's also very critical is North America, again, is the anomaly where people, especially now in COVID, are scattered across the, the continent. And the, what, we, what we would call windshield time between branch offices or, you know, major metropolitan areas, you don't find the salespeople go into the office as much as, as they do if you were in, in London. You know, I worked in London for 10 years. I worked in Japan for three years. The, you work in the office. So your community of face-to-face interactions is so much greater they, they rely on more team meetings, face-to-face team meetings. Well, now, of course, it's totally different with COVID, but, you know, the, the context of that, you know, human, human-to-human interaction is much greater rest of world than it is for us in North America. So, you know, that's another element that we've found with, you know, some sales enablement tools and practices is the salespeople, when they're doing their, their video recording, it was orthogonal to the Japanese and, and to some of the Asian countries. They absolutely hated it. And that's totally fine. You know, you don't have to put it on video, but do it in a team meeting. Whereas in North America, especially the, the younger community, they wanted to cut videos all day long. So, you know, again, designing your sales enablement for multi- multiple audience types, you know, whether it's it's the, the younger crowd who love, you know, anything to do with technology or, you know, the, the teams that are 
your more kind of human to human context versus human to technology context. Superb. And I guess as you were saying that, right, I know one of the big things that leaders in general like, like, like struggle with is going from a national to a global role. And this podcast is all about taking action at mm-hmm. some level, right? Mm-hmm. So if, we, if you can give us some guidance for, let's say, new VPs of sales enablement or even tenured VPs of sales enablement who are thinking about making the jump from a national, I, I would say America's uh, centralized role, to a global sales enablement role, what are the gotchas, right? Like, like what, are, what are some of the things that you've learned that could help them, like from the beginning as they're making that transition? Okay, so bearing in mind, we're in a very different world now with COVID. But number I one, I would, <laughs> yeah. I would say go there, you know, go to some of these, these places. You know, I would, when I lived in Japan, I would always say, if you're going to come to Japan for a meeting, you need to come and have dinner with us the night before. So you can meet the team and kind of understand their perspective. And, and then we can go into the office and have the meeting. So, you know, form a relationship with some of these teams. And again, ask them what they need. You know, they'll be, they'll be super open. Most salespeople are not shy about giving you their feedback. And I think that you're, what I always saw was there's a lot of innovation at the edge. So there are teams that will be doing cool stuff. They, you might not see it but it will be happening. And I think it's, it's pretty powerful when you can take a cool processes that was developed somewhere else and then deploy it in another country. Um, so again, I would say the North America market is the anomaly. You know, rest of world is definitely channel partner centric. We may not see that. You don't see that as much here in North America. It's you important, don't. but it's not to the level of importance that is as it is in other countries. Yes, yes. Um, I've, I was a, a channel sales leader in my past and a biz dev leader after that. And, and America is definitely is a direct sales organization mm-hmm. or, or culture, basically. Yeah, know? it is. It's like we can just get there faster. Go, just go direct, hammer, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. And you can. You can go fast for a certain period. But what the, the channel brings is scale. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what you know. All all the new startups, you know, you sure you want to get the beachhead accounts, but then how do you scale that? Absolutely. And you need you're going to need channel partners to help you with that. Yes. In most yes. cases, absolutely. Especially services partners, right? Like yes, the people who are going to be your evangelists and and you know the the people that make money off of your products, they're just never going to forget you. Correct. And so, in your role, do you have a channel sales enablement as well, or is it just the direct sales enablement? No, I have channel sales enablement as well. Oh wow! Okay, this is your super. You're like you've got it all. <laughs> <laughs> and channel certifications, yeah, and sales communications, yeah. It's it's a honestly, I have a great role at HP. Yeah, yeah and a great it sounds team. like it. Yeah, and a very very good team. I have an amazing team. So. Every one of the leaders I've spoken with, there was something special in their career that formed the, let's call it, hypothesis for the way they run their business, right? And and I know you have this, I would say, a counterculture way of looking at things and you're like, hey, I don't care about the frameworks. I don't really care about any of this stuff. I just want to go first, figure all this stuff out, and then we'll let the data tell the story, right? Like, like what happened or what was the the... the 
the the moment uh, in your exp- uh, career which really solidified that because this is a bold move it's not for everybody i've not found a lot of people that could, that actually say, say that and then live it um i've seen a lot of religious wars over like sales methodologies and i <sighs> I don't know if it's just my personal fatigue with it or just it doesn't matter which one you pick. It's just pick one and stick with it because the benefit comes from the the seller and and the whole organization understanding what stage you're in, what it means, why it's important. And I've seen so many organizations come with a sales leader and you flip flop. One year you have this, the next year you have that. And all you do is you confuse the sales organization. And I think that's the worst thing you can do. And I heard this from a a great sales leader I worked with once. He said, you can never, you can be wrong. You can be wrong about something, a direction or idea, but you can't be confusing because if you're confusing, you stall the organization. And I think that's so true. I think sellers will then sit back and say, what does that mean? Am I supposed to go left? Am I supposed to go right? Am I supposed to answer it this way? If I answer it that way, then, and they get into the the swirl. Whereas, you know, I just, I just think if, if you just pick one framework and honestly, simple is best, <laughs> pick a framework and stick with it. And that's, I guess why I, maybe I go the opposite direction. I'm not, I'm not one, one way or another. And again, I would, I would work with my sales leader to say, what are, what are your religious habits around, you know, sales methodology, sales process. And I adopt it because it's, I, I think it's my job to, if they want help in this area, I would show them the benefits of multiple models, but it's for them to pick. Cause that's the other thing they have to drive it because from a, an account planning or a methodology perspective, if a sales leader doesn't drive it, it doesn't happen. This is not a sales enablement thing. This is a sales leader thing. They need to drive it. So, you know, they need to be on the forecast calls, stepping through the stages and explaining the stages. Or if it's a new tool, you know, using the tool, not telling the field, oh, go go use this new forecasting tool, but I'm going to go back to my Excel spreadsheet. No, they need to be on the calls using the tool with their sales leaders. And if the sales leaders aren't using the tools, they ask them to step off. You know, it's, it's got to be that kind of leadership driven we're supporting. And I feel very passionate about that because I've seen so, so much time and energy wasted on things that, you know, oh, it's just a sales initiative. Let's, let's ignore it. We don't really need to do it. And, you know, leadership needs to take that ownership. And that's why, again, you have to have, I think, that bond with your sales leader to say, you know, what is it you're going to hold me accountable for? And this is what I'm going to hold you accountable for. Um, and that, that's, that's my, that's my piece on, on frameworks or methodology. The other thing I'd say, point number two is data. You know, we live in a data world and sales enablement is no different. You know, you, you can argue all day long preferences or opinions or corner cases, but if you have data and powerful data comes in two forms. It's not just the quantitative, you know, the numbers, 80% say this or 20% say that. It's also the verbatim feedback. So the verbatim feedback, you know, of what sellers say about the process, the technology, or what the sellers are, are giving you 
really, I think, gives you that galvanizing force of and making the, the data come alive. So it's those the two, you know, the qualitative and the quantitative for the data. And then the, the third piece is, is just that alignment with your executive. I mean, I talked about it over and over. Um, and knowing what they want you to accomplish. Um, because sales enablement can take many forms. And I'll just say, in every role I've ever had, I've been solving for something different based on what the, what the sales leader wanted to get accomplished. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for spending time, time with us. Let's get to the fun part of this podcast. Okay. So who would be two people that you would recommend we bring onto the podcast as guests? Okay. Um, number one is someone I've worked with in several iterations. Um, his name is Jonathan Gostand. And he and I crossed paths at Cisco many, many years ago um, and have had, you know, differing um, differing careers elsewhere since. But I have talked to him and used his services on a couple of occasions. He's got a very good way of, again, coming into an organization, doing a, a lot of hard data interviews. But his background is so powerful because he he's had time, he's been in leadership roles of product management and product marketing. So he has been super helpful when I've needed to have uh, someone to come in and unpick a problem like, you know, marketing aren't getting it done. You know, it's too fluffy. It's too this. It's And he, can, he has a nice way of coming in and, and working with a sales organization to kind of unpick that that process. And he did a great job in a couple of organizations that I've I've been at on, you know, helping to to work through more of the content aspect uh, of sales enablement, which is su- super helpful for me. And then the other person that I've just recently started working with, but I, I find her process of building a sales, she, we, we have a two pieces here at, at HPE and her world is what we call the, the sales experience. And her world is really more around all the tools and the architecture of tools. Because it's it's a complex world for a large organization like us with you know about 8,500 sellers in the organization. Tools play large. We have legacy tools. We have new tools. Everybody wants a tool. But again, I, I partner with her on my world isn't about the tools. Her world is about the tools and the architecture and that sales experience. And she's been a phenomenal partner to work with. Her name is Ann Bolton. And it's, it's been fun to, to work with her and partner her with her on, on building this whole total experience uh, for sellers. So it'd be, those would be my two. I have, I have others as well, the people that I've worked with in the past, because there are a lot of good people in sales enablement out there. Um, and they don't always come from the sales enablement world. They come from differing, differing backgrounds too. Yeah. Ann Bolton sounds like an amazing person to talk to because there's not enough companies focusing on the seller's experience, right? Because the world is talking about like customer journey, customer this, customer this. Great. I totally get it, right? Yeah. But on the other side, you have sellers and and their experience matters, right? Like 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 you don't sh- throw all these tools at them and throw all this data at them and then and then they're just sitting there thinking, what do I do with it? Exactly. What or what, do this? Yeah. Where do I click first? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly it. And that's the other piece is I was informed or worked at an organization where I was, it was just beaten into me. It's really good, good lesson. Fix the process first. If you fix the process and then work on the people, whether it's training or, you know, methodology, whatever, 
then you add the technology, then you add the tool at the end. But a lot of organizations think it's just give them a tool and then it's fixed. And if you don't fix the process, you're wasting your money. I, I really want to ask you this question. <laughs> Sorry, it's it, and 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 it's because I heard this um, YouTube video from Mike Clayville, who was at uh, Amazon, and uh, and they asked him like, "Hey, Mike, why did you leave Amazon to go to Stripe or maybe one of his other companies to go to Amazon in the first place?" Right, and he's he said, you know. When the religion walks out the door, you gotta go. You, you there's just nothing that's gonna happen, right? And uh, and and that whole culture just walks out as well. And I'm wondering, like, like I understand there's the enablement piece, but the sales culture piece, which is different than the sales process piece, right? Yeah. The core values of the sales team, the beliefs of the sales team, the norms of the sales team, right? Is that a sales enablement thing as well, or is that just a sales leader thing? Um, I, I would say, you know, that would kind of, would kind of fall into the, the, the mindset bucket for me and how, how you drive that mindset within the sales organization. And yeah, sales leadership would be, play a crucial role here too. But I think sales enablement could have absolutely uh, a role to play in helping to foster and build a specific sales culture for sure. And and do you partake in that activity today at a, at HP uh, yep. with your sales leader? Yeah, we do. Yeah, and, and, and so how do you measure that? I guess I mean that, that's the the key part, right? Like, how do I know if it's working or it's not? I I see, I get it. It's going to show up in the bookings and stuff. But 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 is there a sales NPS that takes place, or or how do you measure that? Yeah, it would be one where it's more of a, a soft measurement. I would say. I mean, we we measure it in how we. Um, we do voice of the workforce, uh, voice of sales experience. Um, we also have um, various kind of sales advisory people um, within a constituency within HPE that we're actually we've morphed it a little bit uh, and just set up a new one uh, where we have salespeople act as our advisors and on things that we, we need to make greater progress. So it's, you know, is this a hard metric you'd want to drive? If so, that might be a little bit hard to, to find other than, you know, through workforce survey validation. Um, but yeah, it, it would be a little bit tough, I would say, to kind of how do you measure religion and, and religion flowing through the sales organization? I don't know. I have to think about that. Okay. Well, thanks for answering that question. I, I just thought of this as you were just telling me about Ann Bolton and the sales experience. So, um, you know, as we round the podcast out, we always ask people, if you were to take your podcast and convert it into a hashtag, what would it be? My God. <laughs> and I have, I, we could do this together too. I have one for you, but if you want to take a shot at it, then I'll tell you one. Um, wow. I would say, hmm. Gosh, I for, I I don't have. I've got a few things off the top of my head, like data drives data drives decisions or data drives better outcomes or something. It's something around data because I think it's so important. Um, but you know, it's also qualitative and quantitative. You know, something do something catchy with that. I don't have anything off the top of my head. Uh, what, so what, what could what, be data drives outcomes? Right. Yeah. Or or how do you like one bite at a time? Yeah, I like both of them. They're both good. 
we're we're actually gonna put both of them on your on your post uh, for this uh, podcast and see which one does better, and then we'll we we'll, we can see uh, do a little data analysis on it. But yeah, I think I, I like data drives outcomes. That's good. Okay, we'll go with that one. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for joining us. And if there were folks that wanted to reach out to you, and I specifically think people would want to connect with you because of your global experience, how could people connect with you? Just find me on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, Leslie Canning at HPE. Um, more than happy to to help or you know have conversations. You know, we're all we're all trying to help each other, really. Hundred percent. No problem at all. All right. Terrific. Well, once again, Leslie, thank you so much for joining us on the show and best of luck in your journey. No, thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.